Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. There's a famous saying which says, you are the direct reflection of the top five people you spend time with. You, sitting here today, are, a, are the direct reflection of the top five people you spend time with. What does that mean? That means you actually have a lot of say in the future by deciding who you spend time with today. And I love making things black and white. It just helps me make decisions, which is a really important thing as being a follower of Christ. And we have friends that do two things, ultimately, because we all have two ends. We have friends that either are leading us to heaven, or we have friends that are leading us to hell. There's only two ends in life. And we look at our friends, and we think of our top five. You have to ask yourself right now, like, the people I spend time with, that I, I, I hold most dearly in my life, that, like, are they leading me to heaven, or are they leading me to hell? We have a God who loves us so much that he actually wants to speak to us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants us to know him, and he wants you to be known to him. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's not disinterested in your life. He loves us so much, he gives us a sacred word so we can recognize his voice. But that means we have to be humble. We have to place ourselves before God Humbly, And sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes I approach God, maybe you do this too, as if God is a divine vending machine. I approach him like, I'd like some blessings here in my, my financial life. I'd like this person to kind of avoid me because they're very hard to deal with, kind of annoy me. It's really hard to love them, Lord, so if you could just take care of that. If you could bless my finances, bless my work. And there's just different things I'm kind of clicking, but then when, once it's done, my, my time of prayer is done, I check out, and it's like God doesn't exist the rest of my day. And that's a very transactional relationship. There's no, as what the church asks us to have, is divine intimacy with Jesus. And when we pray, like, the question that often comes to me as a priest, one of the most questions that comes most is people say, I, I, I do pray, Father, and I believe them. But they often say, but God never speaks to me. I do pray, Father, but God never speaks to me. I don't know if you're taking a psychological exam when they ask you questions, but there's always that question where you have to answer no, but the real answer is yes. It's a question that says, do you hear voices? And all of us hear voices. I can hear voices from my mom, like when I was three years old, that, that still echoes in my heart. I have voices from teachers from growing up that I still hear those, those words, some, some good, some not, bad, some not so good. I hear voices from different coaches I had from playing athletics. I have voices in my head from different employers I've had. I've had voices from different people who have entered into my life to help me become a priest. Some good, some not so good. All of us hear voices. So how do we know if it's God's voice when we pray is really a great question to ask. But again, we have to be humble. So we're Christians, right? We believe in Jesus, the God who was sent by the Father to go to war with sin and death to win us back because we matter to him. 
the gospel message comes down to one statement. You matter to him. Or you are worth the trouble. Like you're worth dying for. Like if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died just for you. Like you matter that much to him that he wants you back in communion with the Father to know your identity as a beloved son or a beloved daughter. And he sent his spirit, which is breathed throughout the scriptures to help us know what he sounds like so we can remain in relationship with him. So we can find good and holy friends that actually want us to get to heaven, to spend eternity with this God who loves us that much. And that also means that some of us, you know, we might have to make some changes today. To look at the people we're hanging out with, like are they leading me to heaven or are they leading me to hell? Because again, we only have two ends when we die. What is heaven? Heaven is the, the complete fullness of relationship. And hell is a complete absence of relationship. Complete isolation, complete desperation, no hope, abandonment, loneliness, forever. And heaven is the opposite of that. Again, we're Christians. And we're not Buddhists, we're not Hindus, we're not Zaoists, but I believe maybe you've heard of Bruce Lee before, but Bruce Lee, he is a famous martial artist. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he has one saying that I'd like to kind of offer as a statement for us to reflect on today. But he says, when the student is ready, the master will appear. When the student is ready, the master will appear. So when I approach God in a prayer, if I'm the master and I'm just telling him what to do, I have it all wrong. And if you want to know if it's God speaking to you, I'm going to give you five ways of knowing what God, how you know God's voice. Because I think there's probably someone here today, maybe it's you, just wanting to know, like, God, what do you sound like? What does your voice sound like? Because I hear many voices. The first way of knowing God's voice is pretty simple. You have to spend time with God's sacred word. If the voice you hear is in line with the word of God, it's him. And if it's not, it's either your own brokenness or it's the evil one speaking to you. So you have to spend time with God's word. My challenge to you is to spend at least five minutes with God's word. And don't tell me you don't have time because I see you out in public or people like you and you're always on your phones or whatever it is. I'm always on my phone. You can give God's word five minutes, can't you? Some of you are shaking your heads up and down. You're paying attention. Okay, good to know you're alive. The second way of knowing God's voice and knowing if it's God's voice speaking to you is looking at the tradition of the church. Again, humility is really important here. Holy Mother Church is 2,000 years old. She knows a thing or two about a thing or two. She's thought about things through her theologians, different saints, about things like way more deeply than you and I ever have or ever will. And if what you're hearing, the voice when you pray, if it's in line with the teaching of the church, it's God. The third way that we know it's the voice of God is by the fruit that's born from our experience. I just want to give you an image to press this upon you. Let's just imagine it's one of those days where it is hitting the fan. Maybe your day goes like this. You you wake up in the morning and you have electronics you have to use for work, so a computer, uh, your your cell phone, and you plugged it in. You You swear to God that you plugged it in. And you wake up and your phone is dead and your computer is dead. And you get up and there, someone spilt water and you, you slip and fall and you're like, ah, this is just one of those days. And you, you, you go to the shower and the water heater broke and the water's cold and you can't clean yourself the way you want to be cleaned. You go to get breakfast 
and you accidentally spill coffee all over yourself and you have, you have like very little clothes and you're like, I don't have time for this. You get out to the car and you, you swear that you had gas in the car, but for some reason the, the gas tank's just about empty and you have like an hour or two drive that day. And as, as you finally go get gas and you're running late, you hit every single stoplight or stop sign and there's construction and there's cones and there's farmers driving their vehicles on the road and slowing you down and you've just about had it. And the whole time you're getting text messages and phone calls and emails are blowing up your phone and you're just about going bananas. And if I were to bump into you that day, what would come out of you? Would it be the finger? Would it be foul language and complaining, gossiping, saying how hard things are? Or would it be the fruits of the Spirit? Jesus ends our gospel by saying, some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit. The soil he's talking about, the richest soil that there is in the world is your heart. And God wants to speak to your heart. He wants to sow his word in your heart. And then if I bumped into you to know if you're hearing the word of God and actually acting upon it, it would be the fruits of the Spirit. Kindness, gentleness, mercy, humility. The list goes on and on and on. And that's how we know if we're hearing the Word of God. The fourth way we know we're hearing the Word of God is if what we're hearing is in line with the lives of the saints. Some of you have beautiful, devo beautiful devotions just reading and learning about the lives of the saints. That's a good and holy thing, and that's, that's you. I encourage you to keep doing that. And if what you're hearing is in line with that, then it's definitely the Word of God. It's God speaking to you. And the fifth and final way that we know it's the voice of God is by sometimes something echoes in your heart. And it echoes not just for weeks, not just for months, but almost years. There's this gentle prompting and this voice that echoes and it's meant to lead you to what is good, true, and beautiful. And if you have that happen to you, it's the Lord. It's Him. We're called to act upon that word. Jesus comes to us with the, with the parable of the sower and the seed, which is a very simple one, but for those of us who live in Wisconsin, it's been a dry summer. And sometimes it's how our spiritual lives feel. It's all dried up. Where are you, God? I don't hear you. But the Lord talks about different images. He uses parables to help us, which is why I gave you the image of just having one of those days. And one thing we have to do as a community, we have to get more soaked in the Word of God, knowing that He wants to speak to us. So if we go to the Word of God and I, and I say, God, speak to me, for your servant is listening, He will indeed speak. But the thing is, we have to wait. Our God is a gentle man. He's a gentleman. And He indeed will speak to you. But we also need community. So many people are isolated. They, they, if I ask you to think of their, their top five, who, who they're a direct reflection to, so many people could barely even think of three. Because so, many, so few people have friends. There's just so much loneliness creeping in, and our world is, is, is literally dying. The average age is going down in the United States for the past seven years. It means people aren't living as long because they don't have as much hope. And especially amongst those who, are, those who are young here, for those who are in their teenage years, suicide has gone up 30% in the past 10 years. We see less and less people going to church, less and less people spending time with God's word, 
Less and less people receiving the word and going out and making a difference. Because if you don't go out and witness to who Jesus is, who's going to? Our world is literally dying for something hopeful. Our world is literally dying to know this God, but if you don't do it, who's going to? Enough excuse-making, so often we think, oh, that's a priest job. Uh, no, it's not. What does the church teach? The church teaches that the, the people of God, the lay, lay faithful, it is your job to go out and spend time with the Word and share the Word and do acts of kindness. Your witness is so important. Think if you met someone who had one of those days and you were able to offer them a word of encouragement or you're listening to God while they're complaining and they're going through all these difficult things that just happened in their morning, but you were in touch with the word and you could offer a word that would actually give them hope and settle them in that difficult moment. That's how the church grows and that's why the church is shrinking because we don't stand out. And I'm not saying be a weirdo by any means, but if you're in love with Jesus, and not that you just say, I love Jesus. If you are in love with Jesus, one thing you are is you are never bored. We see so much boredom in our world today. People are just straight up bored, so they just, just cave in on self and they go to their phone and we just see that depression rate go up. One thing that a person told me that who, who works with people who are depressed and suicidal, she said, going to your phone is like adding gasoline on the fire of your depression. It's one of the worst things you could do, but one of the better things you do is get out the Word of God. Spend time with Him. Spend time in community. I want to encourage you also, spend f- at least five minutes a day with the Word of God. But do it in community. Is it going to be awkward at first if you're at home and you're with your family saying, okay, we're going to open the Word of God? Yeah, it's going to be awkward at first because the devil doesn't want you doing that. But if we don't start talking about the stuff that's going on in our lives and relating it to the Word of God, Things are not going to get better. You and I are called to lead others to heaven too. And maybe you're like, holy crap, the way I'm living, I am not leading anybody to heaven. And I've been there before. But my job is not to lead you to myself. My job is to lead you to Jesus. My job is not to lead you to myself. Is to lead you to Jesus. So same for you. Your job is not to lead people to yourself because some people think, well, what if the priest leaves? What if we get a new priest? The priest's job is to lead you to Jesus. So is your job. And if you know him, if you're spending time with him and you're in love with him, it comes out of you by the way you act, by the way you live. And it's your actions, first of all, that lead other people to wanting to be like you to follow him because there's something different about you. When you're tempted to complain, which is my first challenge this week, is to stop complaining. When you're tempted to complain, you have a sense of gratitude of knowing God's in control. And I don't know about you, but like, what does complaining really do? Like, what good does complaining do? And maybe you think of your top five and if you have someone in your top five who is always complaining, about the weather, about the Packers, about the politics in the world, the way things are going. Like, do you like being around someone who complains all the time? I don't even like being around myself when I complain, let alone other people. And the temptations are so great to complain. So the first challenge this week is to stop complaining. Can't complain about my homily being too long anymore. Can't complain about the music. Can't complain about the way things are. 
There's the invitation of forming a heart of gratitude. That's where the rich soil goes in it. And it should be impressed upon us today that, wow, I'm so grateful that God actually wants to speak to me. He actually wants to invite me into a deeper relationship with him. The second challenge is stop gossiping. Can you believe that some people after Mass gossip about their priests? They don't say it to their face when they're in front of their face. They're like, oh, Father, it's so great you're here. But then he leaves and like, I hate when he does that one thing. It drives me nuts. But then they receive the body and blood of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist and it's like they'd never had an encounter with him. And maybe when you think of your top five, the people you spend time with and they gossip, it might be an invitation to not hang around with that person so much. One thing I found helpful to overcome gossip is imagine that person in front of me at all times. If I wouldn't say it to their face, then I shouldn't say it at all. Change the conversation and just say out loud, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like this conversation is very constructive if you find people gossiping. Be a leader. Be bold. Because again, our world needs people who are different. And whatever I've been saying that's being pressed upon your heart, the Holy Spirit will lead you. And so often, we leave Mass, and it's like we didn't even come here by Monday or Tuesday. The thing is, Sunday's not enough anymore. Sunday is not enough. We need to be in touch with the, with the God of the universe every single day and always in dialogue with him, always chewing on his word, always meditating upon the teachings of the church, always thinking about the lives of the saints and asking for their help, always paying attention to those echoes in our hearts, and always praying for the grace to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit so when things aren't going so well, we live differently because, again, our world is looking for your witness. Our world is dying for your witness. And you look at the life of Jesus, and he didn't pick the scribes and the Pharisees, the people I should have known well. No, he picked people, his first apostles. You know, some of them had foul mouths. But it was by him loving them and spending time with them and showing them a different way to live that they changed. He found people who extorted people. He found Matthew, who was a tax collector. He found Thomas, who doubted we can find so much in common with the people that Jesus chose to invest in. But that what they had was a sense of humility. Who am I that you would come to me? Who are you to the Father? You're his beloved son or his beloved daughter. And he wants you back. Because again, you matter to him. And you're worth the trouble. And when you're rescued from the slavery of your sins, when you're rescued from people that just don't lead you to being the best version of yourself, what happens is rescue people rescue people. I mean, you name it. You find the problem in the world. The world is looking for your help somewhere. The world is looking for your help somewhere. My final challenge before I end my homily today comes from St. Teresa of Golcutta, a beautiful saint. What was said about Mother is that nothing was complicated for her. She just made things so simple. When it came up to life issues, often people would come to Mother and they would say, Mother, we need you to talk about pro-life. She's like, okay. If abortion's not wrong, then nothing's wrong. So simple. 
When it came to Protestants and Catholics dialoguing and people thinking that we worship the Blessed Mother, she would say, no Mary, no Jesus. You can't have Jesus without Mary giving God flesh. Done. Simple. What she did is she called the television, when it first came out, the anti-tabernacle. She called the television the anti-tabernacle. The dwelling place of God is a tabernacle with the Holy Eucharist. So my challenge to you is to take your TV out in the backyard this afternoon. Get out your 22, get out your shotgun, and pull the bullet through that stupid thing. Get a giant rock. People, I, I watch YouTube videos sometimes, and people like to drop rocks or heavy items from high places. Put, go find a bridge and, and take a, a giant rock and, and throw it over the cliff and let it smash that stupid thing. What am I saying? I'm not saying you have to shoot your TV. <laughs> but I'm saying unplug it. Turn it off. Like, when's the last time that you watched TV and you felt like a better person? Maybe, like, you find some random TV show, but very rarely does it happen. It's just negative news, negative thing after thing after thing after thing. And how much more negativity can we handle? That's why Jesus called the gospel the good news, the extraordinary good news. One thing the gospel message of Jesus Christ affords us is hope. And that's what the people who are depressed, that's the people who are suicidal, they don't have. They don't have hope. First challenge was to stop complaining. So that means the invitation is to be a man or a woman of gratitude starting today. So let's just pause for a moment before we receive the God of the universe and the Holy Eucharist. Which the word Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Let's just pause for a moment. And I want you to think of five things right now that you're grateful for. And start little. St. Therese, another saint you can learn from, she said, do little things with great love. Like what are the little things that you're taking for granted? Often I think of toilet paper. Could you imagine life without toilet paper? That'd be awkward. What about deodorant? What about clean water? What about a home to stay in, a bed to sleep in? Just giving you a few things to kind of prime the pump. We're just going to pause for a moment. I just want you to think of at least five things. You can do more than five. And to start being a man or a woman of gratitude. And just to distill that your heart to not fall in the temptation of, of gossip. And to make some decisions today. So that when you think of your top five, you're finding people that want to lead you to heaven and not to hell. Because you don't belong there. God cannot form an ungrateful heart. So we pray that the seed of his word may fall upon your heart today. And may he find a heart of gratitude. So we pause and we pray. And we thank our Lord for the many blessings that we take for granted. Amen.